Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Puzzle Piece Media Podcast. I am your host, Namaya Wilson. And this season, this series, I guess, we are discussing a program that I was a part of as a teenager. It's sadly no longer a program, but it was a program called People to People Student Ambassadors. And what it did was it took teenagers from around the U.S. to various countries overseas to see the sites and study the cultures and get some experience abroad, so to speak. And so that's what we're going to be discussing. And I did just kind of lie to you a little bit. I said I was the host, but I am actually not hosting this particular episode. Um, I do not like to sit and just talk and ramble. So I've enlisted the help of my good friend, Rachel Vogt, who is also a people to people alum and, this episode, I'm going to let her guide the conversation so that I can talk, and you'll also be hearing her shortly in a coming episode, where I'll guide the conversation and let her talk about her experience. But for now, I'm going to hand it over to Rachel. I'll let her introduce herself, and I'll follow her lead from there. Heck yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on this little doodad episode that we're doing. Um, and I have to tell you that just even before I do the announcement, my heart broke a little bit because I did not even know that people to people was no longer in existence. How sad. Yeah. But, um, I guess I'll, I'll get over it. So anyway, yeah, my name is Rachel Vogt. Namaya and I go back, I mean, literally to this trip of people to people, he traveling before I did and we met very happenstance as I say nothing happens for on accident that's how I say that um, when I was 16 years old and I took my very first people to people trip as he'd mentioned to Australia New Zealand is where we went and we met on our very first flight out of LAX into uh, as I would like to say the motherland but that's really Africa for my trip it would be Australia so yeah that's that's me and uh, since then we've been able to keep uh, connected which has been such a blessing because there was I think if I'm not mistaken, 35, 45 kids our age. And while there are a handful of people that I'm still connected with on social media, Namaya is the only one that I have like an existing relationship with. And I'm very honored for that uh, as we've grown into young adults now. Yeah, it's crazy to think it's been that long. And yeah, there was about 30, somewhere between 35 and 40 of us, I do believe. Uh, yeah. At some point, I'm going to get into, I think, my mom's attic and dig out like my old scrapbooks and itineraries and stuff, but I've just not been able to find those yet to have exact numbers and such, but. Yeah, but we did have a, I mean, and you can, you can speak more to this than I did because I only traveled the one time, but I know that when you and I had met, that was at least the second that you had gone on. Um, But what, what is the basis of people to people? What would you say is their um, take home message? What What is their goal with young people? Um, I would say that the goal, and it was actually set. It was actually founded. I want to say um, I may get the year wrong. Nineteen fifty four. I want to say is the date that it was founded. It was founded by Eisenhower. Like I said, I want to say 1954, but it was actually founded officially on September 11th. Ooh. Yeah, I I picked that up um, during the pre-meetings and all that stuff for my second trip, the trip we went on together. Um, But it was basically, basically to take, you know, teenagers from America and expose them to different cultures around the world and sort of, I guess, breed that familiarity, understanding, and acceptance of things that are different and expose you to that, I guess, before you get to the age of, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like how you position that. Um, yeah, I pulled up the, the, the good old Google, and you are correct. It says uh, it was founded in 1956 mm. during the Eisenhower administration, reincorporated in 1995 because in 2002 it was converted for profit company, which what, what the fuck hasn't these days. But anyway, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I would agree with that. I thought, like, can you share with me why did you get into traveling with people to people? I have no idea how I got into this. I mean, and it's, 
it's the truth. Um, I first found out about it, I guess, maybe summer, summer probably of maybe 2001. Um, it was just a letter that came in the mail, had my name on it, and it had the people-to-people student ambassadors. And this was, and I was 15, no, summer of 2000. I was 15 at the time, and this was a time when the internet was just really starting to become a thing, and I didn't have any bills or anything to pay, so, like, me getting mail is obviously unusual. And so my mom actually got the letter and saw that it was to me and saw this strange thing people to people she's like what you know she had no idea what it was thought it was something crazy I'd signed up for on the internet but um she read it and found out you know more about it and what it was and said that I'd been you know selected as a potential student ambassador and we just sort of went from there of researching it and found finding out that it's a real thing and started the process from there. But apparently what we did find out is there's a nomination process to where people can nominate you for this, but I still do not know how I was nominated. Interesting. Um, well, you know, and now that you say that too, I, cause like, I couldn't remember how I got into it either, but I, I, I'm almost positive. It was very similar where there was something that arrived in the mail, same thing, 16, very young, incredibly excited to get mail for myself. Um, and I did not, I did not know there was a nomination process. I, I don't know. It says here, like in the Wikipedia page, any student fifth grade or older could apply to travel on a program. All students must complete an application and interview process before they can go on a trip to ensure that they possess maturity and social skills needed for extended travel. That was true. We did have to interview. I don't know if you did, but I did. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'd have to read more into that aspect of it, but I didn't know. I had no idea that there was a nomination process. Um, what, I, and I wonder if it was something to do with grade level. I mean, I mean, grade like GPA uh, that maybe like in a system, if you, you know, like a B average student or above or something that they would just kind of automatically send it out to your place. Um, that, that was a thought. Um, that was a thought that, you know, because I did have good grades, you know, in high school. Um, and I think it's just sort of, you know, I came to look at it sort of as almost like this sort of secret society type thing that somebody that knows about the program, you know, sees people and, you know, puts their name in the hat, so to speak, because I can never, I never met anybody that knew about the program. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had heard about it before. Right. Can I get in? Exactly. So I never, I've not come across anybody that fit the criteria of, ooh, this may be the person that nominated me. Interesting. Interesting for sure. Um, Yeah. And actually, I don't know what else I was going to say in extension to that, but, but it was, it was definitely, I, I don't even know if I want to use the word like a secret society, but it definitely, like nobody I knew, nobody I knew had received this letter in the mail besides myself. And obviously, like when I went to the very first meeting, um, I think from our region, we had maybe 15 to 20 people, which would make sense because in the other group from your side of the country and stuff like that. But um, I didn't know any of those 15 to 20 people. None of them knew each other when we went to the first initial meeting either. So very strange how it kind of formulates in that regard. But but nonetheless, it was I, I think the universe I would have never been able to afford afford a, a three-week trip to Australia and New Zealand, uh, especially at 16 years old, but ever really, if I had to think about it. Um, so, yeah, so let's kind of, let's switch a little bit. Now tell them where was your first trip to before you and I met? Um, my first trip, I I did three weeks in Europe. We mm-hmm. did uh, Italy, France, Austria, and Switzerland. Um, and... Like I said, it was a three-week trip. Uh, one of the things you'll you'll hear about, you know, over the course of these, you know, episodes is it doesn't just take kids, you know, you're not just meeting people abroad, but it's also mm-hmm. taking groups of kids from different parts of the country and putting them into the groups that are together. Correct. Um, which Correct. obviously is how me and you met. Um mm-hmm. And so for my first trip, the Europe trip, 
I was in the small group. It was about 10 to 12 of us and flew out and met up with a group from Lincoln, from the Nebraska area. Pretty sure it was mm-hmm. pretty sure it was just Lincoln, but there may have been a couple from like surrounding areas. But sure. Um, like I said, you know, from Lincoln, Nebraska. And so that was the group. And there, there would have been about 25 to 30 of them which would have put the group size at somewhere between 30, 30 to 40 teenagers, uh, which looking back at it now, I can't believe that that was a thing <laughs> that. Yeah. And we had four and four in total, um, chaperones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For 40 people. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I just remember the, uh, the process, like you said, there was an there was an interview process that you had to go through. There was uh, certain criteria that you had to meet. Um, like I remember, I want there was something. There, there, I want to say there was like a community service that we had to do. Or uh, I, I I think you had to like record that for sure. Um, yeah. But I don't. I wasn't involved in anything extracurricular like that. I was so enveloped in my job at the time. I can't really remember very specifically, to be honest. Yeah, but like I said, it was it was a process, and you know, back then, getting a passport, you know, wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't quick and easy. You know, it was mm-hmm. easier. It was easier at the time when I got mine in two thousand, but it's still a process. And I had flown before and been to a few places. You know, around the country, but never overseas. So, right. I just remember, like I said, getting the passport and learning what travelers' checks were, yes. <laughs> because and that... a way to keep your money safe. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah, having to wear pouches and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But like I said, yeah. the the first trip, the Europe trip, you know, you hit all all the sort of the high points. The you know, the Louvre, the Eiffel Tower, the the Colosseum and, you know, various churches and the Sistine Chapel and all these things that you see or hear about on TV or in books to see them right. in person, you know, is obviously, you know, you're kind of in awe a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it was, it was something... It was, I mean, like, it was something I never really anticipated having an opportunity to even be able to do. And as mentioned, because I don't remember, I'm pretty sure it was like by the year was when they determined where they were going. You didn't actually get to pick your trip. And that year that I earned it or whatever, it just so happened to be Australian. That was like my, my country bucket list at 16 already somehow, some way. So uh, I do remember that. And um, I was really excited, really excited for the trip. I showed up like, we only had two interactions with a group of people. Uh, and they were basically training, like just preparing you for traveling without your parents into a foreign country. And then the next time we met was the morning of getting on the airplane in Omaha, here in Nebraska, at least. Yeah, uh, we uh, we had for my first trip is the only one that I was actually a part of. Um, we had we had a we had several meetings, I think over the course of about five or six months. I want to say we met like about once a month. And in, you know, doing those preparations of, you know, preparing to travel and what it's like over abroad, you know, and sort of learning some, you know, getting prepared for some different customs, you know, that we may experience for, uh, for example, uh, you know, uh, France, a lot of times they kiss when they greet people, when they greet each other. So it's just one of those things of sort of learning some of these things before you go so you're not completely taken aback by it just because it's different yep and so you don't end up insulting an entire nation (laughs) very very true very true uh yeah 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 but um it was definitely it was definitely an experience because Mm -hmm. um on the first trip the europe trip the group from nebraska they had all sorts of travel problems. So we were there. Let's say we landed at about 11, 
12 p.m. local, 11 a.m. noon local time, uh-huh. the first group of kids from Nebraska, they didn't get there until probably 5 or 6 p.m. And oh, then there was still more that the rest of the group didn't get there until probably 8.30 or 9 p.m. Oh, man. So, and then there was still issues with luggage after that. So, sort of all the things that you can anticipate going wrong were going wrong. And it's like, ooh, maybe this trip. On your first international flight as a child. Yes, alone (laughs) with no parents. It's like, ooh, maybe... Maybe this isn't this all it was cracked up to be, but right, right. But we definitely made it through it, and just sort of you like must have liked it so much. You came back for a second trip. Very much so, very much so. Um, yeah. Like I said, yeah. I was I was fifteen at the time when I went on the first trip. Uh, mm-hmm. Summer of summer of two thousand is when I went on this the first trip. So I guess it would have been. Well, no, summer of 2001 was when I went on the first trip. And so there were two things that happened as far as me going on a second trip, and not even just the second trip, the first trip. Um, While I was preparing to go on the first trip, my mom happened across this movie that she watched one night called Final Destination. Oh, my God. (laughs) Exactly. And for those of you, if you've never seen Final Destination, the original one, it's a group of high school students traveling to Europe by plane and the plane explodes on takeoff. Yeah. And she watched that movie while preparing to send me to Europe on a plane with other high school students. So <laughs> that made her. How'd she do? How'd she do? She did okay. She did okay. She told She told me about it at some point during the preparation and was like, you're not watching this movie until you get back, and then we'll watch it. So I was like, all right, whatever. Good on you, Mom. Good on you, Mom. But, <laughs> so, yeah, that would have made me a little uneasy as well, I'm sure. But we had a conversation um, in preparation for me going of how much the trip costs, which you've mentioned it's very affordable when you consider everything that goes into it. Absolutely. Like, I want to say roughly – Roughly, these trips are somewhere between five and six thousand dollars, which yeah, you throw that number out, it's like oh my god! But once you realize that that includes all of your airfare, all of your hotel accommodations, entrance into everywhere you're going, meals are provided, transportation is provided, like you're getting a lot of bang for that buck. For sure, and a lot of the stuff that we did was often behind the scenes kinds of stuff. As well, it wasn't just like your average um, public viewing, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, but we had a conversation because I was 15 and she told me, she said that, she said two things. She said, one, I have pushed you to work hard in school and be a good person and be all these things. And this opportunity is a result of that. So she felt an obligation to, give to let me take advantage of that opportunity. But she also told me that this amount of money is roughly the amount of money I would be willing to spend on a car when you turn 16. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to take, you're not getting both. And yeah, because of the amount of money that it costs, you're only, this is, this is the one time thing. And I was like, at 15, I sort of, I thought about it and I was like, you know, this trip sounds like a once in a lifetime thing. I don't think they're going to stop making cars. I can get a car at another, I can get a car another time. Yeah. Well, that's a really good philosophy and way to look at it because I don't know a lot of 16 year olds that would have necessarily looked at it like that from perspective. Yeah. Uh, and she's told me that she was impressed by that. She was like, he made a grown up decision and you know, everybody has their preferences and, it's hard to question someone's decisions, but that's a situation where I think it was the right decision. Yeah. Good for you, friend. And I'm so grateful that you did, obviously, because then we met each other. And for me, it was, I was already, uh, like I mentioned, I was 16. I'd had a job since I was 15. And so my parents made it clear to me, like, this was my responsibility. Like, I was going to have to 
take care of all of this. And so I put up a, a note at work and at the time I was working in the restaurant industry and it was a buffet. So, uh, you know, at the time, traditionally I was in more feminine roles like hosting or caching or whatever, but I put up a note in that kitchen and I was like, I'll work any shift, anytime. I don't care if it's dishwashing, call me, I'll bust. I don't care. Like I, I, the entire restaurant knew that I was gunning for a trip to Australia and blessed be, there was really no way at 725 an hour uh that is even accurate for that long ago that i could have made that kind of money in a six month period of time and so i really wasn't sweating it but i was still i was doing everything i could uh and then that christmas my parents surprised me with a really really thoughtful gift it was like a stuffed kangaroo and then the pouch of the kangaroo was like a treasure map kind of rolled up piece of paper and then i had to use like an invisible marker and they were gifting me that year for Christmas the rest, rest of my tuition to be able to go. So it was a family effort. Everybody was excited for me, and that was really cool. Uh, and I'm incredibly grateful. Like I said, it was like bucket list country for some effing reason. I was already obsessed with it. Uh, and that led me to sitting in that little corridor in the LAX airport getting through. And ironically, if uh, people don't know, you and I kind of gingerly knew we were going to meet each other in kind of a – a roundabout way because on your first trip with people to people your listeners your listeners will have to follow us on this one you met somebody from my city and state on your first trip that person would later be the father of a friend of mine's child who was on the very next trip with me ironically so take that full circle moment into the smallest world you've ever ever seen exactly <laughs> uh, but yeah, so by happenstance, I just knew of you, of you kind of thing when you arrived. And then we were sat next to each other on our plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, couldn't, couldn't have worked out any better. No, I would agree. I would agree. So fortunate. But um, like I was saying, I was told that this was a one-time thing and, you know, all of that. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Cool. Yeah. And then yeah. I went. And yeah. I had the time of my life. It was just, yeah. it was an amazing experience to to see all of these things, to see the Mona Lisa, to see the Sistine Chapel, to mm-hmm. walk around and look at the Coliseum and, you know, see and walk the streets, you know, and sort of take in the culture of these different places. And yeah. so I came back and as I'm unpacking my bags, I'm asking to go on another trip. Yeah. <laughs> like didn't even wait until like the stuff is put up. So you know, I brought it up and I think she had prepared for that possibility that I would want that I would go and then want to go again. And so yeah. the the deal that we came up with was she would pay for the trip and I would take I would have to get a job and earn and save my own spending money. Oh, sure. Okay. Cool. No problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I immediately set out and there was a McDonald's that was soon to be opening in my hometown. And I immediately went out and got a job and started working. And I started working probably August of 2001 is when that McDonald's opened. And then September 11th, 2001 happened. And. Mm-hmm the decision was made, you're not getting on a plane and going anywhere. Oh, okay. Which is how I ended up in your group. Because for the longest time, like I said, after 9-11, the thought of me getting on a plane and going anywhere overseas was just, that's out. We're not doing that. Like, right, right, right. You know, it looks like we're about to be involved in World War Three. We don't know what's going to happen. You're staying right here. Right. Cool. I can accept that. I'm watching the news. I understand. Yeah. But as things did, I guess, I don't want to say calm down, but didn't escalate. Return to, yeah, that's a better way to say it. Yeah. Didn't escalate to the point that was initially feared. She decided, right. okay, maybe we can do this. And that's how I ended up being the random kid from Tennessee in a group from kids from Nebraska and Indiana. Yeah, because that's the truth of the matter. It was literally those two states and then you. Mm-hmm. 
the only guy from Tennessee. And your first trip then, so did you have more people from your region and area? Yes. Uh, from my, my first trip, there was about 10 or 12 of us from the middle Tennessee area. I think gotcha. most of them were within a couple of counties over because a lot of the uh, – it's such a, a lot of small towns around here. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, there was, I was the only one from my county, my school, but there was several, there was about four or five from one county, you know, over and about four or five from like another, a different county. Um, gotcha. And then there was obviously the group from Nebraska and there was mm-hmm. one kid from down in Alabama. So, cool. um, like I said, I went on three trips, and there's always one kid for it's some reason. one kid random from, yeah, that is weird. It, it's very weird. But the reason that I ended up specifically in your group was because at least one, if not two, of our chaperones had chaperoned the previous yeah. trip. Oh, okay. And so my mom was able to make phone calls and talk to people and get me in the group that group because at least then I would know someone, sure, and not just be walking in blind to having absolutely no clue who anybody is. Yeah, yeah, yes. And so I don't know if you're ready to go in this direction for the conversation, but because on our trip, by the time so because our trip was the last one you went to, is that right? No, I went on one more after. After okay, so we were the middle trip, but without a doubt, you were the only person of color on our trip. Yes. Mm, no. On our trip. No, there who was. Who else a, was on our trip that was not white? There was a guy named Charles. Oh yes, yeah, I feel like a jackass <laughs> now because he lives in Nebraska. Yes. Yes, Charles. There was yeah, a guy. Okay, so there was one other, but now on your first trip, how many people of color? I don't think any. Besides yourself? Besides myself, Obviously. no. Yeah. And what about your third trip? There were at least two more. Okay. All right. I'm, just, I'm curious. And I'm curious even at your experience between being in Europe and being in Australia, honestly. Um, and I didn't know if that – we were young, and even though that was 20, 25 years ago – I mean, it's not like is it this conversation around experiences and colors gone anywhere. So I was just, I was curious. I would have been completely blind to even considering that that would have impacted your experience at the time. But did it? I don't think so. Um, I don't. Yay! Yeah, well, I don't. I'll take that as a win. Yeah, looking back, I don't really think that it did. Um, you know, obviously, you know. <clears throat> I think I was aware on the first trip that I was the only black person in the group, which is just one of those things that happens. You you find yourself yeah. in those situations and you're aware of it. I don't want to say leery, but you're aware of the possibility of something coming of that. Um, right. <laughs> But no, I never, there were never any, I never had any issues, you know, as far as color and race was concerned. Um, but, you know, on the second trip, um, the guy Charles, me and him did, it was a br- very brief conversation. Um, mm-hmm. I think maybe we might not have even have left LAX yet, or we had oh, maybe yeah. perhaps even just landed in Sydney. Um, we're just kind of milling about and every people are just now getting to talk to me, obviously, because I haven't been there. Um, but he said something to the effect of like, I was glad when I saw you cause I wasn't the only black person, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But past, yeah. the, but past that, I mean, there was never any, uh, any situation that arose that I felt singled out or different or anything. And like I said, on the third trip, there were, I'm almost positive that there were only the three of us. There may have been one more, but I I don't think so. 
gotcha. but there were two black girls that went on the trip, and I was, I remember at one point we were. I can't remember exactly where we were at, but we had asked someone to take a picture of us. You know, mm-hmm. somebody in the group was like, hey, you know, get a get a picture of us. And it's a sort of crowded place. You know, there's a lot of people sitting about. And yeah. so we had given them the cameras or whatever to take the pictures. Like, here, take a picture of us. And they kind of looked around and was like, who, who am I getting in the picture? And all three of us together said, the three black people. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's funny. <sighs> Just like, Goodness. who do you think? <laughs> who, yeah, who else? Who else would it be? So, what, where was the location of your third trip? Where'd you go? It was Europe again, but we added yeah. uh, England. So, we did England, Italy, France, and Greece for the third trip. That's cool. Yeah, and so uh, there was, I don't want to say hesitation, but there was a little, I guess, maybe sort of trepidation about having done a couple of those places before. It's like, hey, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of money to do something you already did. Mm -hmm. But I love Italian food, so you can take me to Italy anytime you want to. Um, And, you know, France obviously is great. And then, but the, there was the the England aspect of it in Greece, so there was enough difference there to you know make it more than worth it. To I may be doing some repeat things, but there's also a lot of new things going on. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I would go back to Australia in a heartbeat. I you couldn't convince me otherwise. It'd be wasting my time. So I get it. I get it. Now, um, I remember with our uh, trip, I don't remember specifically if we had the itinerary before or if we received it the day of or whatever, but we definitely had something going on every single day. Plus, we did, uh, we had a homestay when we got got into New Zealand. We were there for at least two or three days, I remember. Um, What do you feel like was your favorite thing about i know this is a very large question too but besides like doing the actual traveling seeing a foreign country what do you feel like was like your largest takeaway from doing these trips as far as like are you asking like just like specific things that we did or i would say like maybe both like give me your tangible reality-based memory and then give me like your life lesson okay um i think one of my favorite memories from the first trip was um, spending time in uh, in Italy in and oh uh, Venice. I don't know why my mind was blanking on that for some reason. Uh, but Venice, just the way it's the way it's set up with all the canals and the gondolas, and it's just a really cool place to be. And so we had some we had some free time, and me and Joey, who you obviously you know Joey, and a couple of yep. other ones, we were just kind of roaming about. You know what I mean? Just kind of walking around Venice, and we specifically remembered when we had taken our tour, so to speak, of them pointing out a church on the other side oh, yeah. uh, on the other side of the canal. Mm-hmm. And they pointed it out to us and told us about it, and you know this is what this church is, and blah blah blah. And okay, cool. Uh, but we're walking around, and one of us sort of looked up and was like, "Hey, isn't that isn't that that church that was on the other side of the canal?" It's like, yeah, it is. How did it get over here? Because we did not know how we managed to cross this body of water to end up on the other side of it and because because we didn't know how we did it in the first place we didn't know how to undo it to get back to where we were supposed to be but you know that's definitely something i mean we figured it out and you know we all had a good laugh about it and it's just one of those things of just being teenagers so to speak 
and yeah. enjoying yourself. Um, the second trip, Australia, I think, mm-hmm. I think one of the the biggest memories, I guess, tangible memories I have, is one staying at the Tangaluma Resort. Yeah. Which was just this amazing resort. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's a beach and all these just, it's just beautiful to look at. I think we got to pet dolphins and yep. do all these things. But I guess as a teenager, what was cool about it was that's actually the place where they filmed the first Scooby-Doo movie. Yeah. Yes, they sure did. And so I remember, you know, a bunch of us, you know, on some free time because uh, a lot of the girls were just, you know, freaking out and shrieking over the fact that Freddie Prince Jr. stood on the same <laughs> bridge that I'm, you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> yeah. Like, well, and, and what's important about that story too, is because that movie had like just come out like the year before or that summer after we did the trip. I don't remember what it was, but yeah, I mean, it was really cool to watch the movie and literally be like, yeah, we arrived on that same dock, but we stayed, we didn't stay in that hotel, but that was the main hotel. Oh my gosh. We did a, sand tour right behind that hotel like it was crazy cool yeah it was it was out then because i think uh, uh there was a group of us that went to see it while we were in australia oh yeah that's true you we, guys did yeah, yeah i we was had, a part of that one but i missed it yeah we had some free we had some free time and it was like hey let's let's go see the scooby-doo movie and see if we can recognize you know places on the resort and it was like oh yeah we know I, you know i saw that place i remember that place you know mm-hmm uh, so that was cool. Um, the third trip, the third Europe trip, I would say the biggest, the probably the coolest thing, one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life is having a foot race in the original Olympic Stadium. In, really? In Greece, yes. Oh, I get the goosebumps. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so th- I mean, that's obviously very very cool just to to be there and uh like i said just being there hearing those stories and knowing that this is where the olympics started and just getting to compete on that same field arena or whatever you want to call it you know because it really mm-hmm. wasn't much to it it's just a, basically a big patch of dirt and rocks you know yeah from yeah, yeah. the i don't what 1800s or something whenever the Olympics started, but it's nothing fancy, but it's just, this is where it all began. Yeah, exactly. That history, that energy that you can feel while you're there. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as far as an overall takeaway, I think, Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing for me and me and Britt actually just talked about this because she just went on a work trip. Um, is the adaptability and the comfort that you gain from being in new situations with new people. Yes. Um, because it's, I mean, you're talking, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old kids and we know how teenagers can be. So mm-hmm. it's hard enough mm-hmm. navigating, navigating high school you know what I mean? And worried about being cool or what people think about me. And that's, that's with your friends that you've grown up with. It's right. It can be complete. It can be, oh, it's a whole nother level when you're talking about kids from across the country who their cool may not be your cool just because it's different. Like they, the types of music that they listen to, the clothes that they wear, their style, fashion, all these things. And just, you're just thrown together and, this is the people you're going to be with for the next three weeks. Yep. Yeah. And you're in the same age. Like you only have these four chaperones who are decent people, but they're not teenagers and they're not teenagers. They're also thrown into an environment and a culture that they don't know anything about. But then you throw in the obvious regular teenage things of trying to, you know, withstand and negotiate and figure out what your social status is in this temporary group, even for three fucking weeks. So that shit happens too. Yeah. Very so, much, very much yeah. so. Uh, yeah. you know, I can remember on my last trip, uh, 
we were I was in the small group I was in the small group again from Tennessee. Uh there was about, you know, eight to ten of us, whatever. And mm-hmm. we we landed we landed first and so we were the first ones on the bus and it's you know, the big charter bus or whatever. And when teenagers right. get on the bus, where do they go? They go directly to the back of the bus. That's just yeah. what teenagers do. So we had already yeah. So we got on the bus and we took over sort of that that back long row, the long seat that goes, you know, all the way across the bus and the first three or four, you know, seats right in front of it. And so that's where that's where we were. That was our spot. And yep. the other kids got on the bus and we were off to wherever it was that we went. You know, I can't you know have yep. the itinerary, but like I said, by now this is my third trip, and so I have, you know, I've seen this several times, and it didn't take me long to realize after a stop or two that we we were staying to ourselves, and they were sort of staying to themselves. Everybody kind of had, you know, sort of you sort of you're drawn to certain people at times, right? So everybody right. there's a lot of little small groups that had just kind of immediately formed just based off vibe and there wasn't a lot of intermingling going on. And so I remember, you know, getting on the bus and we were going to be on there for a while. I reached into my backpack and grabbed out the little roster that, you know, they send us with because they want you to be able to, uh, email and instant message and, you know, aim back in the day, 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 all this stuff. Now you would just, look them up on social media but you know right but it's got a it's a list of everybody's name on the trip and so i just random i took out my roster and randomly called somebody's name it was like you know hey is there a rachel vote on this bus and you would turn around be like i'm rachel you come back here for a minute (laughs) and just start asking questions you know what i mean like who are you? You know, what do you like? Blah, blah, blah. And then mm-hmm. start throwing random questions out, you know, and I called it the hot seat. And That's like so I said, funny. you know, ask them, you know, questions for a few minutes and like, you know, nice meeting you. And they would go sit back in their seat and I'd call somebody else up. You know, hey, is there such and such here? And, you know, this went on for, you know, a couple of days to the point where people were like, when am I going to get my chance in the hot seat? <laughs> you know, it was like, <laughs> But it was yeah, it was just it's something to starting community right away. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think what I could appreciate about our group is that like, while there was like little pocket, what I mean, I did myself a huge favor by coming on that trip in a relationship because being a very young, immature person, I could have been easily distracted by some of the stupidest shit ever and there was a little bit of that type of drama happening within our group but it didn't end up like consuming the entire group which was so great and i feel like when we were together as an entire group it did go very well and pretty seamless for the most part uh which was helpful helpful when you have that many kids in one area yeah yeah it was it's designed and laid out very well for Mm -hmm. and it's conducive to you know to sort of keep that drama to a minimum yeah yeah i would agree do you remember um when we were in new zealand and we stayed in the maori house do you remember that stayed where in the maori house so we were on tribal land and they put on like a performance for us and then we all all 40 of us slept in that one room together in the tribal house oh yes i do I do remember that. That was so loud. It, we were all obnoxious, and it was like one of the funnest nights, I think, of the entire trip. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was yeah. crazy because I remember there being, yeah, I remember it being a thing because that I think that's the only time that the boys and girls were sleeping in the same place, obviously. Correct. Correct, yeah. yeah. So I guess there's always, if you're dealing, if you're dealing with teenagers, there's always that fear of, somebody doing something stupid you know right right right. so obviously for sure you know precautions were taken but yeah i do remember that that was that was that was a fun night and i couldn't imagine i mean 40 teenagers in one room i know i know i was so distracted by 
the Australia side of our tour that I really hadn't even put two thoughts behind what we were going to do in New Zealand. And honestly, besides like um, being in Sydney and um, doing the Great Barrier Reef, and there was one really cool museum that we did in Australia too, but we did more activities in uh, in New, e- New-, New England is what I was going to say, New Zealand. It, there was like much more that I anticipated happening over in Australia, but I mean, overall, it was a completely well-rounded trip. But what about the farm? Do you remember when we stayed on the farm? Yes, yes, and we had to uh, we had to gather up our meal. Yes, we had to do that. They taught us how to crack whips. Yeah, they had um, an on-site kangaroo, just the same way we would keep a dog. They had a kangaroo, and the cabins that we stayed in were so. I would I'm use this word primitive that when we took showers and you looked in the drain, you could see straight down to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was an anomaly, of course, because then when we stayed in Sydney, of course, we were like in a four star hotel in the middle of downtown. So you got this whole range of experience when you were in the outback versus when you were in the city. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's there's always sort of there was always sort of a range to where we stayed. I, I think one time, I think at some point. You know, in the Europe trips, I think we stayed in like a, like a convent, like with nuns and such. Like we were there for a oh, night or two. Really? Yeah. You know. Did you go to the Vatican? Did you say? Yes, we did. We did the Vat. We, we did two trips to the Vatican. Uh, so wow. St. Peter's Square and you know the Sistine Chapel and you know all these mm-hmm. things that, you know, and like the, the to stand in the Sistine Chapel. And mm-hmm. look up and see that ceiling. It's just like, how does a person do this? And, right. you know, how did, you, you know, to do it in that time period was, it's just an incredible, incredible yeah. feat. Well, well, and that's what I was going to ask you, because like, I would say that's one of the larger differences between our trip to Australia versus Europe is that Australia, again, beautiful, amazing country, but it's just not as old as Europe. And Europe has all of these very prominent um, obvious um, places to visit, like, like you're talking about, and so I'm just kind of curious. Uh, and com- you don't have to compare per se, but like being in areas like that, do you just feel the energy of the history? Yeah, I think so. I think you definitely feel just sort of like yeah, the energy, I guess, of these things that you've heard about. And yes. probably seen on TV or seen pictures of, you know, there's various movies of people trying to, you know, break in and steal something from the Louvre. You know what I mean? But yeah. to actually be there and see these paintings, you know, in person and these sculptures and statues and, you know, to walk around, you know, Italy, for example, and see all of these buildings that have been there for hundreds of years. And it's, it's almost, it's sort of almost like being in a time machine because it just looks and feels so different, but you know, but it's still modern. You know, there's, you know, there's very much modern things going on around you, but Mm -hmm. you're outside the Roman Coliseum. (laughs) <laughs> yeah 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 Whew, that's pretty cool that's pretty cool well i think we got a couple a few minutes left and i i think the biggest thing i really wanted to hit on was like those i mean the memories of course i think everybody should travel you kind of touched on this when you asked me if i wanted to to get together with this but i think that one of the things that people really miss out on is the notion of the understanding of the global aspect when you get into a different culture and when you get into um the history when you get into just the feeling of how other people live it really changes who you are fundamentally because you start to understand that in the grand scheme of things you're just you're you're an infantile speck in the best way possible because you're just part of a larger community and you forget that like you can easily see that your house or your family is your direct community you even maybe consider your neighborhood and your city and even your state even your country but why don't we ever expand that to the global aspect and I think America gets a lot of things wrong. So when it comes to things like this, but that program was instrumental in in changing a lot of the things I would have never had access to uh, as as a young white woman. I would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it was definitely something that I think at fourteen, 
I would have never thought about these things. Like, right. you know, at 14, the, the, the Mona Lisa was a world. It's, it's a whole different world that I didn't yeah. live in. You know, the, the Roman Colosseum, the, 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 the Pantheon, you know, all of these things, you know, I knew about them, but it didn't feel like I was in the same world as these things. And, For sure. you know, I think getting the chance to go and see them and be, be in these different places, you realize that, yes, it's a big world, but it's also a small world. Right. Like, that's, and I think that's the biggest thing about it is being able to feel both dynamics. Yeah. It, yeah. That is, that's definitely an interesting, interesting dynamic to, to come to understand of how big the world is and how small it is at the same time. Correct. Correct. Yes. Now, um, having known what you know about this travel and what it's been able to implement, what do you feel like is something that you're able to replicate in your parenting for your kids? What What's benefited you in this regard? I think, I think one of the things that I try to do, and I think looking back, I think a lot of it did come from people to people is mm-hmm. to, to try to make sure that my kids are aware that they're not boxed in. Yeah. Um, I think as kids, it's easy to think that. And especially in your teenage years, that it's easy to feel boxed in to what you are and what you're supposed to be. But to know that there's so much more out there and you've got to be willing and comfortable to sort of step into some different areas because you don't know, you don't know how you're going to react in these different areas. Um, right. It may be something that you would have never thought about doing, but if you take that step, it may, it'll open your eyes and that may be something that changes your life. And that's now a passion of yours because you were willing to step out and, experience something different right yeah your world will feel limited when you don't know you have options yes very much so and you know i think i think that reflects in me very much through the friendships that i have and Mm -hmm. you know obviously me and you you know i'm black man from middle tennessee white woman from lincoln nebraska on the surface is like, what, what, what would these two have in common? Why would they be friends? You know, and the same thing with, you know, Joey, um, meeting him on a people to people trip. And we've been, we've been friends for over 20 years now. We were in each other's weddings and, you know, neither one of those marriages worked out, but you know, be that, that's a friendship still lasted too, but the friendships have lasted. And so, and then another one of my best friends in the world is, you know, is a a a, a Thai woman. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. A lot of my friends, my close friendships, if you wrote it down on paper, there's not a there's not a lot to to bring us together. But mm. once you talk to somebody and you feel their vibe and then there's always that possibility for a connection to, to be there. That's just, it doesn't need to be explained. It doesn't need to make sense. It's, it just is what it is. It just is. Yes. I think that was really poignant and really beautiful because that is the truth of the matter is that we've been so conditioned and so brainwashed, especially in our country. Oh, I don't see color. I don't see race. Well, yes we do, but ignoring it makes it the bigger problem at the end of the day. Like, that is the thing I've always struggled with being a, a white woman in Nebraska is like, you know, we get together and we meet each other in this LAX airport and we, we literally hit it off from the beginning. Yes, at that time I saw no color because what, what, what did color have to do with it? What, what play did it have to make? And when you see and feel each other at your core, at your energy, at your moral value level, whatever, whatever, then those are those true authentic connections that obviously withstand people to people, withstand your 20s and your 30s and you still connect with each other over a country span you know like it just 
it's so much more valuable than people are giving it credit for. And I think that's also the, for me, the exposure of to, uh, to these other countries, cultures and things like that, that really, I mean, you, you couldn't convince me otherwise that my, my, my city and town is too small. <laughs> it's yeah. Too small. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I live in, I live in a very small town. Uh, always have. So it's, it's amazing to me to, to just think of how much there is to explore in the world. Right. right. Yes. There is always more to see. And as it continues to ever evolve, that just allows for you to continue to stay curious friends. Yeah. So, and yeah. you know, looking, looking back, I mean, I think that was people to people was one of the most, I think valuable experiences in my life. That's I would agree led me to where I am. And you know, when you're in it as a teenager, you're just excited to do all these things and go to these places. And Mm -hmm. you, you have the memories of whether it's, like I said, whether it's running in the Olympic stadium or whether it's, you and two other teenage boys having a pillow fight in a hotel that yeah. it's like, you know, you do all these things, but then once you, once you're on the other side of it and have gained a little more experience and wisdom in life, you look back and you can see the seeds that were planted yes. and lessons that you were taught without realizing you were being taught lessons. Correct. And that's the best way to learn them. Yeah. Yeah. At least for me, it's the most practical, I guess. <laughs> the most hands-on experience. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I think those are oftentimes the most valuable lessons is the ones that you're taught yeah. and you don't realize you're being taught that lesson until much later. You can look back and be like, yeah. oh, that's what that was for. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good stuff for real. Well, I appreciate you taking this time to, I, I mean, I, it's, I, it's kind of odd and kind of ironic, like all of these years. I mean, I, in my heart, I knew you felt these, this way about this because I think that's, again, part of the reason why you and I have been able to maintain this friendship. But it's still, it was, I, first of all, I, I did not know if I did, I forgot that you had gone on to another trip right after ours. Um, but I, I mean, I wish it was still an availability. I wish it was something I could set my kids up to go to do uh, that was not necessarily for profit anymore and just for their experience and that benefit of it. But I look forward to what it brings to the table for you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Very much. You know, it's, it's exciting. You know, it's exciting and it's fun to look back and remember and see how you got to this point. And, you know, I think, I think people to people definitely just the whole experience, the program and what it was definitely sort of encapsulates what I want this podcast to be. Oh, sure. As far as like this, like you, you were talking about, you know, you know, sort of being a speck (laughs) in the world of how small, you know, Mm -hmm. how big it is, how small it is, but it takes all of those pieces to, to make up the world. It's very much like a puzzle that all these pieces have to fit together. And if we can continue to, find those pieces know what they are and understand them, we can make it fit together a little bit better. Right. And recognizing that every piece contributes to the puzzle and knowing that that contribution is just as important, even if it doesn't feel like it or you don't want to attempt it. And it's not an easy square side piece that fits the puzzle easily. You got to work <laughs> towards that, <it>, you know? <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate you. Well, thank you. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for guiding this conversation and, yeah. We'll figure it out and we'll we'll be you'll be back again sometime soon and I'll I'll guide the conversation with you and let you reflect and reminisce a little oh, bit yes. on on your time and yeah. you know um before you go uh tell plug yourself tell the people where to find you and what you do and well, that's so kind and considerate of you. I hadn't even thought about it, honestly. I, I, Again, another thing that I love about our friendship is that it brings like a similarity between our passions together. And 
when I was a young woman, I should say young girl, you know, I was very chastised for how talkative I was. And it was really something I put in the closet for a very long time, even though I could never not stop talking. <laughs> so um, to be able to grow up and still have a friendship and have our friendship be able to blossom out of something like that is something I'm incredibly grateful for. So thank you for reminding me to plug myself. But um, if you've been if you've been anywhere near my dear friend of mine, you might have heard me before. Uh, you know, my shortest version is friends is that I am a perspective coach. If you want to call it a life coach, it's just that. And my strong suit is intimacy. So if you feel like you're struggle busting with your mental connection, your physical well-being, mental well-being, that's all the same, your spirituality, your purpose, and your passion, then uh, you're welcome to follow me on all of the social medias if you want some free content, especially if you're feminine and you need a place to hang, then please let me know. Find me on Facebook, and I'll add you to the group. I know it's ancient, that meta, but it still serves a really great purpose in my business at the moment. And um, that's really it. I'm just a feel-good person, and I want everybody else to feel good too. Awesome, awesome. Feeling good is the goal. It is the goal. Yeah, for sure. But like I said, thank you again for taking the time and doing this. And I'll be talking to you soon from the other side of the coin. And thank uh-huh. you. And thank you all for listening and hope you enjoyed it. Hope you continue to enjoy it. And I will be back next week with another episode. Thank you and enjoy your day.